Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Surprise! We're still talking about the Nintendo Direct. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to, going to be talking about news from the week, including odds and ends from last week's Nintendo Direct. And then on Thursday, we recast that Super Mario Brothers movie with actors from different eras. But in the meantime, Mark, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Um, recently, I have noticed that... So, I, I, I'm on Instagram. I... Um, I'm not very, I, I don't really post anything, but I like to follow my friends and all that kind of stuff and see what everybody else You're is up to. You're a lurker. Like yeah. photos. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But whenever I join something or, you know, like on Google anywhere, I immediately go into settings and I'm like turning off the uh, tracking, turning off yeah. personalized ads, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like I'm at the point where like Instagram does not know what ads to serve me like it, i feel like it's like freaking out where i will like be scrolling through your instagram and it's like uh do you want this like realtor in san antonio texas what about Ooh. uh this like man standing in front of a, a, a dumpster outside of a Win dixie talking about how COVID is over and you're just like i don't like uh you don't maybe, know who i am <laughs> and it's like maybe maybe i do want the personalized ads these are kind of freaking me out uh, I did the same thing on Facebook, which is a place where I definitely just lurk. Like, you know, I joined Facebook when it started um, or when it was available to people at colleges that weren't Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, like since then, I've just been like with every ad they serve me, I either block it or report it. Um, <laughs> and and I give a nonsense reason, right? So like it, sometimes it's something that's like too sexy and I'm like, mm, already bought it. <laughs> sometimes it's, it's like a roll of crackers and I'm like, that's provocative. Um, so yeah, I also get served up the most bizarre ads that have like nothing to do <laughs> with, with my personal tastes, but also just a lot of shaving. Like it knows I'm a man. <laughs> So there are a lot of shaving products that, that part is inescapable. Yeah, yeah, can't escape it. Also, can't escape the Sonic Forces borrowing program. Would you like to be a part of it and borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch? You can certainly try. All you gotta do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces or my copy of Untitled Goose Game in a Sonic Forces box. You have no. Uh, choice no say in the matter you just get one you play it for as long as you want you send it back it costs you nothing it's the perfect borrowing program the other thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts, or of course wherever you get your podcast the u.s apple podcast store is just where we check we appreciate it so much it helps people find the show um patrick and i love reading the reviews i mean really we love when people interact with us in general, like when yeah. people send us emails, when you hit us up on Twitter, we love it. We read all of it. 
Thank Mark, you to everyone. Some, someone, someone invited me to play Apex Legends with them on Switch today, like through the Switch Ooh, like fun. friend thing. Uh, and I was like, oh, cool. I don't have the game downloaded. I don't know how to play it. I was playing Eastward at the time. I still loved seeing the invitation. So if that was you, I loved it. Sorry I didn't play with you. But yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. All Our friend codes are uh, in the show notes for every episode. Definitely add us as a friend on Switch. But if you uh, are looking for some thing else to help the show grow you can leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast we will give you a shout out uh if we see your review in the u.s apple podcast store if you review us anywhere else and you would like a shout out just send us an email or hit us up on twitter we love to shout out people that gives a five-star review like carter thank you so much carter for leaving a five-star review this past week um and then uh so yes, th- thank you, Carter. I-, I extend my personal thanks to you as well. Um, uh, this last week, or this last Friday, I was on uh, Video Games, a comedy show uh, where we talked about the uh, Nintendo Direct, so you can go and check that out on it, wherever you find your podcast. It's the um, Super NPC Radio Guys. Um, Connor McCabe was on there. Connor's been on a previous episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society with us. Um, so uh, it was a good time. We had a lot of fun, so go check that out. And then lastly... October, which is barreling down on us, Mark, it is almost October now, is Game and Watch Month. Um, we are talking about all things Nintendo Game and Watch. Um, when we went into this, uh, you know, pretty much not knowing anything about it, and we're going to come out knowing a little bit more. <laughs> um, so if, if you have any suggestions for what you want to hear us talk about, if you have any uh, memories of Game and Watch that you want to share with us, or any insight into games that you've played or that you've picked up or been curious about, questions, comments, whatever, email us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and interact with us that way. Um, the more of you that tell us about your experience with Game & Watch, the better this month is going to be. I can promise that. Mark, are you ready to get into what we've been playing this week? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I'll start uh, because I have been playing Eastward, um, which is that uh, sort of... 16-bit looking uh, top-down role-playing slash action game um, that has a really cool art style and well it's not necessarily even that the art style is cool but that the art is very like detailed uh, and the animations are all like gorgeous um, and uh, very um, emotive like every single character in the game has uh, tons and tons of unique animations even as they're like hanging out or like idle or whatever um, so I'm not very far into it. I've probably played about two hours, um, and I'm still very much in what I recognize to be the, like, opening of the game. Like, I'm still in the initial town where you start, um, and, uh, the, I'm finding the opening of the game to be a little bit of a downer, um, partially from just, like, the subject matter, um, because you are in a, like, the ruins of a city that is, like, underground. Um, and, like, even the uh, the buildings are put together from, like, scrap metal and, um, you know, discarded whatever. Um, it has a very, like, beginning of Final Fantasy VII feel to it, but without the sort of, like, revolutionary bent, right? Like, you're, mm. just, pe- you're just, like, people in the slums of Midgar, basically. And it's underground? Yes, you're underground. Oh, it reminds me of, um, uh, there is zero reason anybody should have ever seen this movie but it's called alien from la starring uh 90s supermodel kathy ireland 
Sure. It was it, it featured on an episode of uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, but she like uh, is trying to find her dad. She like finds this other civilization underground. It, it's not it's not a um a flattering comparison. To, <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't played Eastward, so I don't really know. But that's what that's what that's what I thought of when you were like underground. Uh, everything built out of scrap metal because my brain is broken, Patrick. Well, that's okay. All of our brains are broken. Um, but I mean, it's uh, so like to to the point that I've I've played. Um, you know, you're playing as the the main character. His name is John, and there is a uh, young girl that he looks after named Sam, who is just like wants to go to school and is excited about you know discovering the world uh, on on the surface, which you know you'll get to at some point, right? Um, but uh, yeah, like right now, I'm just feeling like a little bit the like sort of Last of Us vibes of. Uh, you know, you're the father character taking care of um, the young girl in the apocalypse scenario um, who is a, uh, you know, a beacon of hope. Um, and uh, so, like, you know, that the subject matter is got, got it kind of muted. Also, I guess it's kind of gray and hazy in L.A. <laughs> the last couple of days. So, like, you know, feeling kind of muted that way. Um, but also in, in these first two hours, I've encountered only two, like, combat sections um, the rest of it has been very uh, wandering around the town, like doing chores kind mm. of stuff. You know, it feels like the beginning of um, Twilight Princess, for example. Uh, so I'm like, are these things going to come back into play by like the end of the game? Am, am I going to feel as though uh, this was the game teaching me its world or is it kind of superfluous? Right now it feels superfluous, but it may not um, as, as, as I get later in the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Eastward um, looks aesthetically like really cool in the trailers and everything, but there's something about it that just hasn't really like grabbed my attention. Yeah, I mean, it definitely. You know, I I know in the lead up to it, I made uh, comparisons to like Secret of Mana or Secret of Evermore that it has like those kind of vibes to it. Getting my hands on the controller, it feels a lot like. And this is not a Nintendo game, so apologies. But the original PlayStation game Alundra, um, which uh, was like just a, uh, a a pixel art, um, like Zelda like, um, but with just slightly floatier and f- uh, slightly less like, you know, impactful combat. Um, and I'm just sort of feeling that here too, mm-hmm. um, where like you know, I don't really feel like I have to be good at the combat necessarily. I just need to like run in the middle of a bunch of bad guys and hit attack a bunch of times. Um, there is something interesting that's happening it, in uh, the, there's like a little side game that happens that like the kids are playing a video game that is very dragon questy. Um, and you actually play a fight in that game um, with like menu based combat. Um, and so I don't know if, I don't know. I don't know if that continues throughout the game or if that is like an ongoing concern or if there will be more Dragon Quest-like elements as I go. Again, I am very early on in this game uh, and I'm interested to see like where it goes and how it develops these different like types of gameplay together. Um, but yeah, like a- at the moment, I'm not in love with it. I'm hoping that changes. Well, when you talk about uh, uh, with the combat, you feel like you can just kind of like run out and you know, yeah. um, just kind of like brute force your way through it. I've been playing The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, and I'm still really loving it. So I, you know, taking my way through it uh, slowly. I am, I just finished the, like, uh, uh, man, it's like 
th- this can't possibly be how you're supposed to say it, but it's how it's spelled. It's like Lanairu mine and yeah. desert. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, yeah. um, and just got like the gust bell or I guess got the gust bellows in that dungeon. Really fun sort of like weapon. Uh, yeah. it, it's kind of like a, um, uh, high rule, high rule vacuum cleaner, or I guess really it's like a leaf blower. Uh, right, because it's a like, reverse vacuum cleaner. Yeah, like it blows dust away. I, I thought it was super fun, but the game continues to like want me to play it the correct way. And so there's like some enemies in here where like the enemies are getting a little more complicated. You know, like there will be uh, the um, Bacoblins, but they have like electric staffs. So it's harder yeah. to just like waggle your way through it. And yet... I just waggle my way through it because it's just like <laughs> the game, like, uh, like, do I lose hearts? Yeah. But I'm never at in enough, like, uh, danger that I like worry about it. So I'm just like, whatever. I'm just going to like run up to these ones. I'm going to lose a couple of hearts because I keep getting electrocuted. But if I waggle fast enough, they're going to die. Yeah, and so, funny, um, uh, so yeah, not really playing it like thoughtfully, but really enjoying it. Um, did you enjoy the like lead up to that temple where with like the the robots in the past and the future or the past and the present? I thought the past and the present thing was cool. I kept expecting it to, like kind of to pay off more than it did. Where mm-hmm. it, it's it's a neat part of the dungeon where um, you know you'll hit these like time crystals or whatever, and around the time crystals the um, like the area like grows or it becomes like encompasses you go back in time essentially to when it yeah, was like a thriving. Yeah. And it's like a very localized time mm-hmm. travel. So like you also see like the, uh, like corpses of these robot characters in the present. And then you hit the, uh, the crystal and then it, we're back in the past and those robot characters are like moving around. Yeah. And um, there's like, pretty but cool. there's like bones of these, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, enemies. And then when the time crystal expands, like the, the enemies come back to life and you have to defeat them before. So I, I thought it was a cool idea, but yeah, I, I kept expecting like in the boss battle or something for it yeah. to come back and actually like kind of mean something or mean something to the story. And it didn't really, although I thought the boss battle was kind of, was pretty cool. It's um, there was something about it. It's like the big, like scorpion that has eyes on its claws. Oh yeah. And then yes. after you hit it a couple of times, the claws fall away. And so it just has a big eye in the center, but it'll burrow underground and you have to use the gust bellows to like blow the sand off of it. And then, um, and then, you know, like attack it. And there was something about it. It was very like arachnidy, and it gave me like the heebie-jeebies in a way that some oh, of like yes. the the like you know Zelda bosses sometimes they're like weird or gross, but th- it doesn't it didn't creep me out in the way that like this one like squirming around under the ground like really <laughs> creeped me out. So I I I it continued to really enjoy this game, but I do think that playing it kind of at the pace that I have, where I'm do you know averaging about like a dungeon a week, which is only you know probably like two or three hours um, getting to a dungeon, going through the dungeon. And that's like such a perfect pace for me to be taking this game. Yeah. Which means that, and you know, I'm now I'm not that much further ahead uh, than you are. Maybe I'm maybe two dungeons ahead of you at this point. Um, But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it is, it's nice to take your time with these games, right? Like, and not have to mainline it for, you know, whatever reason. It's also just interesting, you know, like when the game first came out, it got really good reviews. And then I feel like its reputation 
was kind of tarnished over the years and coming back to it i think it's a like i think it's a really good game like i think it's really fun and i know we talked about it before but it has a lot of the kind of like elements that would make their way into breath of the wild but also it's fun to play this like brand new to me traditional zelda game um it makes me hope that in the future i've loved breath of the wild and i hope that we get many more games in that style but I also hope that the two different like styles of Zelda can continue to coexist. Yeah, or you know reconcile somehow and yes, uh, yeah. get, get a game that takes the best parts of both worlds. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, like just thinking about the the legacy of of Skyward Sword and like sort of the reception both when it came out and then immediately following. Um, I remember a lot of the argument at the time being that Skyward Sword justifies and makes an argument for um, like deep immersive uh, motion controls, right? Mm. That like say, saying that like, yes, the, these are important and this game is why, right? This game is an example of why motion controls work or are like good for the medium. Um, and I feel like that is that is an argument you can make, but I don't know if it's uh, necessarily correct. And I think that's probably part of the backlash, right? That people are like, no, this doesn't actually, you know, you said you can kind of get through it with like waggle, waggling about. Um, and like, yeah, you kind of can. Um, so like, do you know what I mean? That there's like in, in, in the sort of like central like argument that the game presents um, gets muddled because you can be like, yes. And you can also be like, no, uh, but then you can just be removed from the initial release and that initial argument and just be like, does the game work? Is it fun? Yeah. Yeah. That's and a it's really like, good yeah, point. It's fun. Yeah. That's a good point because there are no stakes anymore, right? Like the yeah. is waggle or, you know, like our motion control is going to be the primary um, input method for Nintendo consoles going forward, like that has been answered, you know, right, like we, right. so the debate isn't as heated anymore and the motion controls have kind of found where they work and where they don't work. And, um, you know, you can have both, but I've got to tell you, Patrick, I know that when you were initially playing, you were saying that the, the stab motion worked really like clicked for you really well. I still hate it. I cannot get it to trigger. <laughs> I cannot get it to trigger consistently. Um, well, I'm also I playing very precisely, and I know exactly <laughs> where my sword is going. <laughs> um, Mark, you were also playing a little bit of uh, Story of Seasons on the uh, Nintendo Switch Online trial. Yeah, that's right. So I did download. So um, I think it might be over or it's ending very soon. But last week, Nintendo Switch Online subscribers, there was a trial for Story of Seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town. Story of Seasons is, of course, like that um, Harvest Moon uh stardew valley type game and so i i was interested to check it out because i haven't played like a proper like story of seasons game for you know 15 years if not longer at this point um and it was really i i played about half an hour of it and i was just like okay like i'm i'm done um because it i stardew valley was def is um basically like these harvest moon slash story of season games but they it is like the version of that that i want now um yeah like when i when you're playing story of seasons after playing stardew valley you're like oh this is exactly like stardew valley but then you remind yourself actually stardew valley is exactly like what these games are but now these games are in 3d and i just found for me personally that that like the 16-bit-ish looking 
Stardew Valley was just more is just more like what I was looking for. I think like the the game at Stardew Valley was like a little snappier. Like there was less um uh like setup, less like minutia, like the yeah. uh, the motions themselves, you know, of like harvesting or chopping and all that kind of stuff just seemed snappier. And so yeah. I, I mean we like... we always talk about this, especially with Nintendo games, of like the moments between gameplay, yeah. just those tiny fractions of a second where it's like it takes me too long to open this door, um, or it takes me too long to like start a conversation with a character. Um, and that can all add up, especially when that's all a game is, is like opening doors and talking to characters. Yes, it totally. And that's exactly how I felt about Story of Seasons, um, Pioneers of Olive Town. It's not that I would dissuade somebody from playing it. I just think that there's better alternatives out there. Although I will say with the caveat that like if you if if 3D graphics are important to you, like if that's just the style of game that you prefer, um, and like or you know, the aesthetic of Stardew Valley doesn't work for you. Story of Seasons Pioneers of Olive Town seems like a perfectly competent one of these games, but it's just not really um I just kind of got bored with it really quickly. Yeah. Um, well, that's a shame. Um, Mark, I, a couple other games I've been playing this week. Ball, Vermin, Manhole, Rain Shower, Fire, Donkey Kong Jr., Donkey Kong 3, Mario Cement Factory, and Oil Panic. I am immersing myself in Game & Watch games. Uh, and I've narrowed it down here to just the, like, eight or nine games that I've really enjoyed and, like, spent... Um, probably upwards of an hour each uh playing these games wow um there are some of some of these games look i i know that like you know you, it's easy to look at a game and watch a game and be like okay it's a very primitive you know whatever like there's there's what possible like uh ongoing gameplay value can you get out of these things and some of them ball vermin manhole uh and uh fire are all exceptionally good like twitchy action games where like it tests your reflexes and like your ability to read the screen uh, at like a moment's notice and then respond with button inputs um, like there are parts of it where when I execute it right I feel like I'm playing a fighting game um, like just like genuinely where I feel like I'm seeing through the matrix of the like LCD the simulated LCD screen in front of me um, uh, and so, like, all of that's really great. I'm enjoying that a ton. Um, and then I'm also discovering the greater depth behind games like Donkey Kong Jr., Mario Cement Factory, and Oil Panic, where you actually have to, like, there are, it's not just, uh, like, twitchy reaction-based. It's also, like, really strategic as you have to, like, manage different resources um, and, uh, like, plan your steps ahead, you know, in, in like, fire or... Um, uh, vermin or ball it's really just responding to what you see like right then um, but it's it's amazing to me uh, that I have to employ strategy when playing some of these game and watch games yeah that's really that's really cool it's not what I yeah like you're saying like it's not what I expected I totally thought of it just very like surface level like again you know like the tiger electronic games that I played as a kid where yes. it's just kind of it what you see is what you get and you mess around with it because it's what you have, but not necessarily because it's like compelling gameplay. 
Yeah, there's, you know, I, I, I uh, in, in sort of, uh, I'm not going to talk too much about this, I guess, because we're obviously going to be talking more about Game & Watch games um, in uh, future episodes in October. Um, but, you know, that uh, Game & Watch was sort of developed because a, a developer at Nintendo saw, like, a, a businessman just, like, playing with a calculator on, on a train, right? So that, like, trying to... Uh, tap into that like human need for just like busy work or like just something to focus on um and that like the other point of of uh comparison for game and watch or like the goal is like a rubik's cube right um where it's just something for you to figure out um and the games not all of them there it, it's, it's not a perfect platform by any means but the best game and watch games um, do actually let you work on a specific skill or on a specific puzzle um, and like really test you in a way that like it gives you rules and then you figure out how to like use the rules to succeed and score higher points and it's a very like black and white I mean obviously black and white um, but a very like black and white uh, you get high scores and these numbers are better than these numbers so like you can see your abilities with the game improve as your high scores get better. I don't know. It's It's been very satisfying to me in a way that I have uh, was not anticipating. Yeah, that's really cool. It just makes me really excited, you know, to talk about this more and explore more next month. Yep. Uh, all right, Mark. Those That's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. A slower week for new releases. On Thursday, September 30th, Hot Wheels Unleashed is released on Switch. This is something that we saw briefly in the Nintendo Direct in the Sizzle Reel. And then Darksiders 3 is finally making its way to Switch. It was released, I believe, in 2018 on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, now making its way over to Switch. You know, I have not played any Darksiders game ever and the franchise is probably more than 10 years old at this point yeah but i have always kind of like been intrigued and followed a little bit because i remember the when the first game came out people were talking about it as you know like a very good zelda like which isn't what the you know the game really looks to me like it would be like that was kind of unexpected and so that always piqued my interest and so even though i haven't played any of the games and i think different entries in the game have kind of taken different forms as they're kind of building up to whatever, you know, like will happen when the four horsemen of the apocalypse are together. But I don't know. It's, it's always a franchise that I've uh, looked at with interest, even though I've yeah. never played any of the games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it, it definitely came about during that era of um, uh, there being these sort of like 3d Zelda like games popping up like, uh, and like, cause it was a, a PlayStation three um, Xbox 360 game. Um, and like that was also in the same era as like th <coughs> 3D Dot Game Heroes, which was like a, a, a Zelda like, and a second example that I can't think <laughs> of right now. Um, but yeah, Mark, we sort of uh, glossed over um, Hot Wheels Unleashed, um, but that is uh, a, the reviews for that game started uh, started popping at the beginning of this week, um, and it's getting really high scores and really well reviewed. Like oh, I am, I have now become interested in uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed. Um, just as a fun, detailed, like driving game with fun uh, time trial challenges and stuff. Do you know where I'm at with that is um, Cruisin' Blast, which was yes. released like a few weeks ago. The initial reviews were fine. You know, they weren't like um, nines or tens or anything, but they were decent. And just like watching different impressions of it, I was watching a video on Nintendo Life where they were talking about it. 
uh, I, now I have it on my wish list waiting f- to see if it gets like a, it goes on sale at some point because I think it's, you know, like you were saying about Hot Wheels Unleashed, just that kind of like simple racing fun that can be fun to pick up and play for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and Mark, if either of us get one of these games, we should get together and, and play them together because that that's where you're going to have the most fun racing, right? A hundred percent. Um, all right, Mark, let's get out of the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, we are talking about, uh, <laughs> we have written in our show notes here, best classroom pets. But, uh, I mean, let's just start with what classroom pets do you remember having experience with? Did you, did you have a lot of them when, like, in elementary school? I, I don't really think we did. Like, I remember probably, like, third grade, we had a hamster, right? So, pretty yeah. bog standard classroom pet. And um, the hamster, and th- that, that was fun. But probably the most memorable ones were in seventh grade. My seventh grade science teacher, she had like a menagerie, basically. And it was pretty, you know, like lizards, had a bird, but had chinchillas. There were two chinchillas. What? And so you have to have two because chinchillas don't like to be alone. (laughs) And so and so they would uh, we would be able to like get them out occasionally. And, you know, they like to roll around in their volcano dust. And it was just uh, I mean, um, holding a chinchilla is like, you know, holding pure joy. Right. Cause it's soft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was just like a science teacher who just like wanted to have a bunch of pets, uh, yeah, at I, the school. Yeah. I, now, now as an adult, I wish that I could, like, I would just love to know like why they did it. Cause it was awesome for us as students and, but it's not like they were incorporated into the class or anything. It was just something that was there and so i i would love to know yeah like what why they made that choice was it because they found you know that like it gets students more excited about coming to class i don't know i it probably works yeah well i mean the, and there's always I, I mean probably wasn't the case with uh this teacher um but like in other and honestly i i can't i cannot remember the names of any of the uh uh class pets that I, you know, we, we had, um, and they were always either, uh, hamsters or there was a guinea pig once. Um, but that like someone takes the, uh, the, the pet home over like Christmas break or like a long weekend or something. Um, and then, you know, brings it back in. And that's like the sort of like, you get to feel like you're like, you're contributing to the class, you know? So like, I'm, I'm sure it is good for like, um class unity or like morale or 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 something um but yeah like what a weird responsibility to put on a kid of like now you have to take the hamster (laughs) well my my memory for like the is that it was you know taking the hamster was such like a privilege and so you know you signed you signed up for it and you had to make sure that your parents were okay with it and yeah you felt such like a sacred responsibility to Make sure that the ham, even though it was two days back then, two days was a eternity, and it felt like, you know, like right. you just needed to take such special care to make sure that the hamster could be returned on Monday. Um, have you ever known or like had a friend who uh, has a 
classroom pet style pet that they have in their house. Basically, someone who has owned a, a hamster or a guinea pig. Uh, not n- no adults. I don't know any adults who own like hamsters or guinea pigs. How about you? I knew an adult who kept uh, two guinea pigs. Their names were Belladonna and Took. Um, so that's that's sweet, right? Because that's the a reference to like Bilbo's grandmother, I think. Um, but uh, they and he he was a uh, professional clarinetist um, in in Chicago. Oh, I love this. Um, and the the guinea pigs did not like it when he played uh, clarinet, <laughs> which of course he did all the time. Um, but uh, so th- they would like start squealing, and when one of them starts squealing, the other one starts squealing. So like he would be practicing in his bedroom, and the guinea pigs would just be like squee 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 squee. Were they long haired guinea pigs? No, they were not long haired. Oh man, I long haired guinea pigs are the most hilarious creatures in the world. And like you said, they're social, and so you they are you know you're not supposed to ha- own just one guinea pig. But I yeah. you know like uh man living when I retire. My husband and I, whether he likes it or not, we're going to get like six long-haired guinea pigs. We're just yeah. going to be watching TV, just brushing their long, luscious hair while they run around our feet. Oh, man, that's going to be the life. Um, You had a rabbit at one point, right? Nope. Am I making that up? <laughs> I Who do I know that had a rabbit? Would you ever have a rabbit? I don't think I would. I, I don't think I would want a pet that can't control when it poops. Yeah. I mean, you think they can't control it, or I, I think they just don't care. <laughs> I think, our, well, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought they're like sheep or goats or whatever, where they just, or like horses, where it's just like, nope, it's it's happening. They're not just, being really cognizant of it. What? Oh, to be a rabbit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, have, have you ever been in a class where there were like fish as pets? I have a fish. I've been in a class that had like tarantulas. I had, or mm. a tarantula, or like a snake that they would feed uh, live mice to. Um, I yes, it's it's just not really. Uh, Look, none of those are really my thing. Yeah, we've ranked the kinds of animals on this podcast before, and mammals above everything else, <laughs> right? Like I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in a pet insect. Like get out of here with that. And that is the applause, um, Mark. We were accompanied today by. Dead Territory. It's a heavy metal band. Sounds like a new one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we've done it before, but there's no uh, there's no actual applause at the Mm. end. So I had to pretend that there was when I saw that the video was ending. Okay, Mark. Let's get into the news. So after last week's big Nintendo Direct, we're kind of uh, uh, what we're we're on cleanup duty here a little bit. There's like tidbits of news that in clarifications that we should talk about so first the major update for monster hunter rise called monster hunter rise sunbreak was shown off at the beginning of the nintendo direct it was kind of like the cold open and the direct trailer was pretty bare bones so other than the fact that sunbreak existed and is coming in 2022 there wasn't really a lot else to it how I, I do think it is uh, funny that they they played this video, which, as you uh, say, you know, very bare bones, mostly like a mood piece, right? Um, and then that uh, Koizumi says that, like, though it wasn't touched on in the video, it also features new these and these. And it's like, what touched on? What was touched on? <laughs> it was also short enough that when 
Koizumi was talking and they went to do like B-roll where they're just playing. Like they just had to play the whole thing over again. The whole thing. Because, you know, there was like 15 seconds of footage. Yeah. However, we won't have to wait that much longer for more details. Capcom will be be talking about Sunbreak at uh, the Tokyo Game Show during their Monster Hunter Spotlight on September 30th at 6 a.m. Pacific time. So we can really just add that to the pile of, um, you know, presentations that are forthcoming imminently yeah. uh, that were announced or at least like teased in this Nintendo Direct. Yeah. So just mere days from now, uh, I guess also mere days from now and more aligned with our personal interests, Square Enix will also be showing off Ch- Chocobo GP on October 2nd at 9 p.m. Pacific time. And... Oh. Um, Chocobo I'm, GP looks yeah. like the kind of stupidity that I am 100% in on. Me too. I took a little flack for uh, for uh, standing up for that game on uh, Video Games, a comedy show. Um, but it looks... I mean, look, I get it. I get whatever criticism you want to level at it. It looks like a cheap Mario Kart. Sure. Tell me you're not going to have fun with a cheap Mario Kart. <laughs> um, and also, I maintain that uh, it could very well be a good game um, with... Uh, Square Enix Final Fantasy spinoffs it truly always is like a wait and see um, they can either be like garbage heaps or um, something of substance you just never know I'm also just I mean maybe they'll surprise me and there's a ton of content in it but I am just not expecting it to be a $60 game right or at least yeah. a game that I'm going to buy at $60 like when it eventually go. drops to you know 20 or 30 bucks it's like heck yeah I'm going to pick up Joke Chocobo GP yeah yeah Absolutely. Uh, As part of the new announcement for Nintendo Switch Online plus Expansion Pass subscription tier, Nintendo revealed that they would be releasing Nintendo 64 games and also Sega Genesis games as part of this new package. They also showed off some wireless Switch-compatible Nintendo 64 and Sega Genesis controllers that will be on their way for $49.99 each. And in the um, Direct... We only really saw the front of them. It was very deliberate in just showing off like, hey, these are the controllers. And while we're, we'll still have to wait a few weeks for the full blowout on Nintendo Switch Online plus Expansion Pass, Nintendo did release some high-res photos of these new controllers. So there's a little bit more that we know. Um, Patrick, I'm here to report that on top of the Nintendo 64 controller, there are Switch-specific buttons like oh. the share button and a home button. There's also a ZR button on the top and one of like the the sync buttons that you can press that's like on the inside rail of the Joy-Con to like sync yeah. it to. And then there's also those LEDs, the four LEDs that tell you what controller number you are. Okay, yeah. Which is good and helpful. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I was going to say, I can't remember 100%, but I think... The, a very similar thing ex- existed with like the SNES controllers as well, right? I don't know if it, uh, but I couldn't remember if it had like a home button or like the share button on it. So I don't have the uh, Super NES controllers. I just have the NES. So you you would have to be our resource on this one. Did the NES? Do the NES controllers have them? So the NES controllers have the rail, uh-huh. uh, like the like the Joy-Con rail. So it has also the L and R oh, buttons on there got too. It, got it. So yeah, it it does have that that extra noise kind of on the top. Um, but yeah, since the uh, Super NES doesn't have those, I I don't I I don't know. Yeah, I at some point I will go look, and maybe we'll follow up next week. 
uh, do do we have clarity on? So there, there's definitely no Rumble Pack in here, right? Um, in this uh, Nintendo 64 controller, do we know what the like back of it looks like? Have they like plugged that open spot? No, no, they haven't. We haven't seen the backs of these controllers at all. And let us see the backs. I think you're right. So based on the FCC filing, I think the expectation is that the like FCC logo is going to be on the back where the expansion portal on the Nintendo 64 yeah. is. But I am curious, like, does it retain, it must retain like the bump that's there, but is it just going to be like, you know, filled in as, it, as if a rumble pack was in there, you know, because I don't or think as, it'll be like the empty space. Well, but the, the rumble pack was big, right? And it stuck out like right. two inches or something. Um, if if it's just if they just like fill in like the that little like hole where like the because either the rumble pack could go in there or a memory card famously could right. could go in there. I mean, or is it gonna be a port uh, that they can sell like the regular attachments? Because it's not just uh, it's not just the rumble pack or memory card. There's also the um, Hey You Pikachu microphone or the um, Pokemon Stadium like pack that lets you plug uh, Game Boy games into it so you could bring your Pokemon into Pokemon Stadium. And that doesn't seem too likely because, you know, how many Pokemon cartridges out there are there out there in the world? The answer is millions. But, um, you know, are, are people expecting to play that on their Switch? Probably not. Yeah. And I, I don't think either of those games are, um, they're not in the release lineup and they're not in the coming yeah. in the future Correct. lineup. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I think probably because they haven't shown us or talked about anything in the back doesn't mean that they're holding, you know, like any secrets from us. It's probably just that, yeah, there's nothing going on there. Yeah, I'm that's I, I'm guessing that's the case. I really, really wish there was a rumble pack. I would even pay an extra like 20 bucks for a rumble pack. <laughs> so I, I, I agree with you that I don't think a rumble pack is likely, but they haven't denied that there's a rumble pack in there, right? Like, great point. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm actually surprised that nobody has asked them or maybe they have asked them and Nintendo hasn't like commented. Um, but cause I was looking, cause that was one thing I was really curious about when these were revealed. And so I was checking IGN and the verge and all those places to see yeah. if, you know, that Nintendo commented and said, no, I haven't seen anything official. Again, I'm not expecting that they will, but I haven't seen anything that's like a straight up denial. Yeah, I mean, it's just as someone who lived through the release of Star Fox 64 and remember how uh, intrinsically linked the Rumble Pack was to Star Fox 64's marketing, um, it is crazy to me that they are launching the this uh, the uh, service with that game, but possibly not either a Rumble Pack or a rumbling version of this controller. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that, that's a good point also that like I definitely don't expect that it'll be like the form factor of the Rumble Pack, but... right. Yeah, like, it would be really fun if it did include, like, rumble functionality, just like a little, like, gyroscope that sh shook. But, yeah, um, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see. Also, the Genesis controller looks to have, like, I've, from the renders, you can see, like, a share and home button and the LEDs. But it doesn't, huh. it seems like it's missing, there's not a, as much space on the top of a Genesis controller as there is you know, on the top of an N64 controller. So maybe they're on the back or maybe they're just not included because of space. Again, we'll probably have to wait until they've done the full reveal to find out for sure. Man, what a weird, like, uh, just engineering task set uh, to 
the like Nintendo hardware developers of here's this thing you have to get its form factor exactly like it used to be, but also it needs like six six new buttons and like right. some <laughs> indicator lights and and everything. Yeah. Also, it has to be wireless. And you know, in the U.S., the we're getting the three button version of the Sega Genesis controller, but there was also a six button version and that's what they're getting in Japan. So they're getting the six button mega drive, mega drive controller. Nintendo did release a statement when, um, Oh darn, I'm, I'm blanking on who asked them, but one of the big sites asked them and Nintendo said, uh, that they're releasing the third three button version in the U S and Canada because quote, it's by far the more widely used and well-known Sega Genesis controller in these regions. Yeah, and that and that does make sense and like sort of uh, pass the smell test for me that like that is true, um, and like outside of playing fighting games, I don't really remember there being too much utility for the six button controller, um, and you know it doesn't like none of the games that are on the uh, initial like launch lineup for the uh, Genesis Switch Online, which is a crazy thing to say, um, is, uh, are those fighting games, right? Like Eternal Champions isn't on here. Any of the uh, Street Fighter 2 versions are not on here. There's no Mortal Kombat or anything like that. So I, I don't really know why you would need the six-button controller. Um, so yeah, let's just stick with the one that everyone played with anyway. Also, like... You know, I, I remember being uh, like confounded by uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, which had three buttons and they all did the same thing. You know, <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't really pursue to look to if the Japanese um, like eShop when they get the Mega Drive Switch oh, Online, yeah. if it has different games that will yeah, take advantage might. of the six button controller. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't check that out. Uh, for users who don't upgrade to the new Nintendo Switch Online tier, Nintendo has confirmed that they'll still be adding games to the NES and SNES Switch Online libraries at some point. They didn't. They weren't really. Right. They didn't commit to like a cadence or a number of games or anything like that. They just said they're going to continue to support it. Wow, um, man, I wonder how much longer they're going to like hold out on like the big guns of like earthbound and uh i guess like what what else what are the other like big uh first party oh super mario rpg um or maybe the two the only two like big super nes first party games yeah i wonder if those are because you're right like what at this point why hold on to them i wonder if yeah. they're tied up in some weird licensing thing or there are other reasons legal or otherwise that they j haven't brought them out yeah, I mean it's they I mean especially Earthbound is always tied up in some something, but they were able to release it on the uh Super NES Switch online. Um but you know that that could very well come down to just physically how those things are being distributed, right? Oh sorry, you you mean you mean the uh the yes, classic the classic edition. edition. Sorry, my bad. Um yeah, that both uh Super Mario RPG and Earthbound are on the classic edition uh, Super NES. Um, that if they're uh, like licensing agreements for whatever music or whatever is in there uh, was already set in perpetuity for selling it at a physical location versus streaming it on the internet, um, you know, that's th those are those are different things. People weren't seeing into the future in 1995, so it makes sense. I forgot that Super Mario RPG is on the classic edition. You bet it is. Man, I gotta hook that thing up again. Yeah, it's good. It's got good games on it. It's got uh, it's got Final Fantasy VI on there. During the direct sizzle reel, we learned that Rune Factory Five is releasing in North America on March twenty second, twenty twenty two. 
And after the Direct, Marvelous and X-Seed revealed that it'll support same-sex marriages for the first time in series history. Wow. Yeah, which is pretty cool. When the game was released in Japan, it didn't support same-sex marriages there. But it but they also said that it'll be patched into the game in Japan, which is also, I think, pretty cool. Oh, wow. So, uh, I, yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, at first, it sounds like that is just a move that they would make for, um, like you know, localizing it outside of Japan. Uh, but if that means that it's also retroactively changing the game in Japan, great. Yeah, uh, hopefully that's something that we continue to see moving forward. A Rune Factory is a mashup of Harvest Moon and a dungeon crawler. Like it has the like farm management aspect, but then you also, you know, go out and fight yeah. monsters and that kind of stuff. It's another series, I guess a little bit like Darksiders where I've always been interested. I've always had my eye on it, <laughs> but never jumped into one. So maybe Rune Factory 5 will be that one. Uh, it just seems like early 2022 is going to be crazy with Nintendo releases. Also, it seems like you're going to play it for half an hour and then realize you just want to play Stardew Valley <laughs> some more, Mark. <laughs> Good point. Uh, finally, Patrick, you like Blossom yeah. Tales, right? I did like Blossom Tales. Well, Blossom Tales 2, the Minotaur Prince, was announced and is launching sometime in 2022. Um, hey, that's great. I really enjoyed the uh, the first one. Did, did we get any like footage of what it, what it looks like or any uh, graphics or anything like that? I know that there was like a uh, announcement, you know, like splash screen type thing. What, if there was gameplay, I am not sure. I don't know. Um, because the, the, the first one uh, had a very like original Zelda or sort of like um, original Zelda meets um, Link's Awakening sort of uh, 8-bit uh, art aesthetic, like really hewing closer to that than, you know, a lot of games that do the more detailed um, like faux 16-bit style like both uh um stardew valley or like eastward right where like it looks like it's 16 bit but you can tell they're really not um yeah i'm, I'm looking at a little bit of uh blossom tale too and i mean it still looks pretty um simple but like i can see they're using a lot more colors um some kind of references to uh chrono trigger in um the uh like first artwork here um, yeah, I don't know. It looks it, it looks cool. Oh, and uh, obviously some references to uh, Link's Awakening. I can see her riding a little cart in a dungeon, um, a little minecart in a dungeon. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll absolutely check out a new Blossom Tales game. If they put them out like once every other year until I die, I'll probably check them out. <laughs> um, is, is that of any interest to you, Mark? Like a, uh, a sort of classic uh, 2D esque zelda game yeah i feel like if it can release at the perfect at like a good time yeah. where like there's not there's a lull in like new releases then yeah something like that is always appealing to me um the first one had a really cool little hook of um it's like a father telling a story to his his two kids and so like uh while you're playing the game like every now and then you would encounter something and the kids would be like no that's too scary oh, that's and cute. then it would change it to something else um and so i hope this one carries that sort of like meta narrative forward um uh, because that's fun and different and games don't do that enough um yeah so i hope this one is the same um all right mark that was it for our very short news segment we we're just catching up on stuff coming out of uh the nintendo direct let's close this out 
All right, and that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you should share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share stuff. It helps us out when you do that. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. Imagine a podcast. Now, imagine a musical. Now, imagine the two of them made one million babies. Well, you don't have to imagine it, because it's real, and it has a name. One Million Musicals. Each month, we bring you a brand new, original podcast musical featuring talent from across Broadway, films, and TV. You'll hear tales of spooky ghosts, Wild West shootouts, adventures on the high seas, and much, much more. One million musicals. Only a few hundred thousand to go. A Campfire Media Podcast. Campfire.